0: Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Just kidding. Sorry, am I the only one that binge-watched Tiger King? I know I'm not because it has taken the internet by storm and I thought that that would just be the appropriate way to address you guys this week. But all joking aside, I'm kind of getting a grasp of my new daily life and trying to work in recording times when the baby is sleeping or when my husband takes him out for a walk or something. So I know that we are all adjusting to our new normal and I want to stay here with you as much as I can throughout this time. I have gotten a couple interviews scheduled so we will be back to our normal programming very soon but I did want to, while I was waiting on having those interviews actually recorded, want to give you an update on how COVID-19 is impacting the foster care community and unfortunately, foster children are getting hit hard during this time. So today we will be talking about what this means for children in foster care, what we're seeing kind of around the nation and then what we can do. Hi, I'm Rebecca Britt and this is the Stable Moments Podcast the show where we discuss all things related to the foster care system and early childhood trauma. From foster parents, trauma experts, former foster kids, and beyond, we'll take a deep dive into the complexities of the foster care crisis in an effort to better understand how to fix it. Okay, so undoubtedly coronavirus has sent us all kind of into a whirlwind. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us are at home trying to work from home with our kids. Our kids are home. Some of us are sick. Some of us are quarantined. Some of us can't find some of the basic needs that we have. um, And we are kind of don't even know the basics. If we're sick, where do we go? How do we get tested? Do we stay home? Do we go to a hospital? We don't really know the basics of, of what we're supposed to do. Are we supposed to be stocking up on stuff? Are we supposed to be, you know, going to the store every week and just getting a small amount? So there's so many questions that we have that aren't really being answered even though the whole world is constantly talking about this. But one thing that has really surfaced is that we have seen that coronavirus has been leaving foster children with nowhere to go. So how the foster system works is They move children from home to home. They do investigations of child abuse allegations. And a lot of workers are unable to do their jobs or they have a lot of confusion or fear over being able to do their jobs because of the coronavirus. So in some states, investigators of child abuse are super fearful of spreading this virus like anyone else they go into home after home day in day out and they don't want to spread the virus to children in care and the families that take them in so they've tried to be nimble and change it up and try to do um investigations from the front door or even video chat but how does that work like if you had if you were actually abusing or neglecting a child and they were going to do an investigation of you and They could do it over video chat or they could do it simply by coming to the front door and talking through the door That is not a thorough investigation on a child that really needs to have eyes on and even more in this situation because we are hearing that with isolation and people not being able to go to work. Households are so taxed because they don't, they may have financial issues or they don't have the rent money or they can't just spend some time away from their kid that the tension rises and they are more likely to get neglected or abused unfortunately during this time. So even more need really for eyes on from these investigators, but the investigators are really combating their fear of spreading this virus or possibly even doing more harm. There are plenty of foster homes that have people over 65 that are either the foster parents or that are living with them or they have, they're immunocompromised in some other way. So the social workers don't wanna be putting anyone in the home at risk, especially unnecessarily. So this is what is facing a lot of investigators, but there are still many of kids where abuse or neglect is substantiated and they are being taken into care, but foster families are afraid of bringing the virus into their their families. So some foster parents are refusing to accept new children, even if there's no indication that a kid has the virus, which, okay, no judgment here. I don't know that I would want to let a kid in my home right now, Especially if you're immunocompromised or you have someone living with you that's over 65 or has any respiratory issues, you just can't take the risk, right? If you take care of yourself first, then you'll be able to foster, adopt many children more than just one that might make you sick and put, put you in a critical position, especially if you have other kids you need to worry about. So I totally get it, but it doesn't help the fact that we still have more and more kids being refused to be placed. Even if kids have a placement, they need love and reassurance that everything's going to be okay, that we're sticking to the plan, that they're going to be able to get back living with their birth parents sooner than later. They are really like looking for this reassurance right now. And across the nation, most visits between birth parents and their children in foster care have been suspended or switched to some type of virtual connection. And this is creating Much more stress for kids needing to connect with their birth parents, needing to know that everything is still on track for their reunification. This just amps up the tension in a time that already the tension can be felt so much in the air. But this amps it up because they're not able to just physically see the people that they love the most and really want to be with during this time, during a crisis. I can't imagine if I was stuck away from my family with so much uncertainty. And if foster parents have an itty bitty in their home, there are formula shortages, there's diaper shortages, there's wipes shortages. I know that um, I had a very hard time finding wipes a week ago and I'm going to need more diapers soon. And I've already researched kind of doing the cloth diaper thing because we will probably run out and I wanted to figure that out, of course, before we were in need. So this is something that's facing a lot of foster parents as well. And the Department of Children and Families isn't able to help out. They're kind of buckling under the weight of this pandemic. Now let's talk about bio parents for a minute. Okay, so their child is removed because children are still being removed from households where child abuse or neglect is happening or they think it's happening. But with the courts nationwide shutting down or closing their doors for the time being, for an indefinite period of time, the parents are left with no sense of when they'll be able to fight back against their child being taken away. So they're sitting at home in the midst of a pandemic, in a crisis, and they can't even get any answers about what their next steps are or how they can get their child back. And even if they had a plan for reunification, like they had to do certain type of anger management or drug treatment to prove that they were doing what they needed to do to get their child back, a lot of that's being canceled or being postponed. So it's just gonna leave a big block of time that they can't be with their kids and cause even more stress because they can't prove that they're doing the right things. It also creates more burden. So if, if these... Parents, bio parents, needed to get jobs or needed to show gainful employment or a house that they could live in with their kids. All of this, them losing their jobs or not being able to pay their rent, is going to put them in an economic burden to be able to prove those things. So we could see the repercussions of this for a birth family that might have gotten reunified had they been able to keep their jobs and get an apartment say they were working towards that if they're not able to keep their jobs and they aren't able to make up the rent to be able to show stable housing then this could mean that they don't have their kids for I don't know years and all it has to do with is poverty like the economy being bad and they're not being jobs and them not being able to save money that's the only reason that they're not with their kids so talk about being Between a rock and a hard place and feeling so so helpless. A lot of family visits like the children meeting with their biological parents while they're in foster care are being suspended indefinitely as well as I talked about and you know we always say like set up video chat but many low-income parents don't have access to zoom conferencing or a computer that they're able to do that at and then Tell me how you keep a two-year-old or a three-year-old looking at a video screen and being engaged. It's not very clear how going virtual works and it's not really fair to say that that's an easy fix in that that fills the needs of the child or the bio parents. Now, if you're facing this currently as a foster parent or if you're a stable moments program director and you wanna know how people can stay connected Some child development experts have recommended that parents or adults that we have healthy relationships with send their children or their mentees recordings of themselves singing lullabies or reading bedtime stories or just a simple greeting if it's coming from like a mentor or a coach um, and having pictures of those people for the children to look at when they want to. Now, it is definitely clear why foster parents or even biological parents that are continuing to get checked up on by Department of Children and Families would be under extraordinary stress right now. And it seems more vital than ever that social workers are able to keep their monthly visits that are required if they have a child on their caseload. And social workers and policymakers have fought so that Social workers have the standard of actually placing eyes on a child once a month and recording that visit so that we know what state they're in, if they're healthy, if they have what they need, if they're fed, all of that. And amazingly, uh, the in-person requirement has been waived during this coronavirus time So I just don't know what that will mean for months on end children not getting checked in with in person. So what we do know is that more and more kids are coming into care. So they are still removing children. But they are having difficulty placing these kids and the in-person meeting requirement has been waived. So really what this leaves is a bunch of kids coming into care with nowhere to go. So they're having to do things like hotels and even finding like friends for kids aging out or older teens to, you know, couch surfing at friends' homes, Um, staying in Department of Children and Families lobbies, which... Honestly, always did happen, but now there's less and less people in the office and more people virtual, so there's not as much opportunity for kids to be able to be at Department of Children and Families. I mean, some of this lack in foster homes is specifically because a lot of foster parents are older, they're above 65, and they simply can't take the risk, and Department of Children and Families won't even let them take. The risk of having a child in their care and foster families have asked some questions like, you know Will the kid have to be in a 14-day quarantine or could you do a 14-day quarantine as soon as he comes into my home or And they haven't gotten any answers to these questions And this isn't really to the fault of Department of Children and Families. I mean, we didn't know. We don't know None of us know how to walk forward with this. I mean foster parents didn't expect to start refusing kids um you know the department of children and families didn't expect for a pandemic to hit so while they're already overburdened they didn't have time to like stop and change their policies every day to answer these questions so uh, no doubtedly they're trying i am sure now one thing that's crazy to me i follow a few um like different states and they're like facebook foster adoptive parent groups and i see all the time over and over and i'm going to pick on the state of georgia because this is one i see often where people will be saying my house is open it's been open since you know december never i'm not getting any calls i'm not getting any calls and if anybody is listening to this podcast and they are a social worker or at the department of children and families and they know why there is such a crisis as far as foster kids who need beds and there's a whole bunch I mean a bunch of foster parents saying that they're licensed and ready and they're just waiting for kids and why they don't have kids placed in their home that's a big question that I would love the answer to it always baffles me and I don't know if it's just like simple as uh paperwork hasn't gone through and social workers don't know about them or if social workers typically go to foster homes that they know of or what it is but that seems like if we could get the answer to that and fix that um at least place the kids because we keep thinking that 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 we don't have enough homes, right? And that nobody's accepting kids to their home. And it's so frustrating to see all these kids need homes and there's all these people that are just waiting for a kid and they've gone through everything that they need to go through to get a kid and yet they can't get one place. So I would love it if uh, somebody would get in contact with me so that I can share with the rest of the community what the breakdown is there because I'm, I'm just honestly interested in it. No fault, no blame. I understand that it's a very complex system But I would love to understand that more. Okay, so here's a quick how can we help. Um, So I'm going to refer all of my listeners to Together We Rise. If you have not heard of Together We Rise, they are an awesome organization that uh, offers a whole bunch of things to foster and adopt kids. They've got a whole slew of programs, one of their things that they um, are known for is sweet cases. So basically if you have a work group or a church group that wants to give back You can decorate all of these duffel bags um, For children in foster care so that they don't need to carry their belongings in trash bags and they're called sweet cases instead of suitcases and they send them to you and let you know how to to decorate them and they are also filled with like a teddy bear and other essentials so that the kids can have that They do a whole bunch of other stuff, providing bikes, trips to Disney, and um, helping children that are going to age out with some independence resources. So they say, as they continue to identify problems impacting foster youth and their families, that they remain focused on solutions. And basically, with the help of donors... And supporters, they are gathering emergency resources to help provide rent and utility assistance to children who have aged out of foster care or to families that have foster children in their care, Um, food and other basic needs. They are trying to get the resources to give food and basic needs to kids who are in foster care or or who are aging out. Um, laptops and cell phones because there is a lot of these kids that actually are in college courses and now all of their college courses have gone virtual, meaning that they have to be connected to the internet. Well, guess what their apartment might not have internet so uh, together we rise is trying to give laptops, cell phones, and internet to kids that are using their college stipend that they're eligible for for being in foster care. So, Together We Rise has a landing page for COVID-19 and their big call to action is to help displaced foster youth. Um, They say that there's approximately 10,000 current and former foster youth dependent upon dorms. Um, So, when colleges have shut down, they don't have their housing, they don't have their food, Um, so they are trying to get Emergency housing for these foster youth. 48 states have closed college campuses, and I won't be surprised if that doesn't hit all 50 soon enough. But there's a lot of great resources on their homepage. They're staying up to date. They have specific progress updates on how COVID 19 is affecting foster youth, and they also have how you can help. So you can go there and check out their resources and you can also jump in and help. I know that there are a lot of ways that maybe we typically help, like you know, making food for foster families or possibly offering respite hours, mentoring, all these things that we can't do right now. And it's not the time to stop helping, but we do need to figure out how to do it in different ways. And Together We Rise has those ways. You can also share their pleas for help on your social media that's always helpful let people know that you know people don't know about the foster care crisis in general so let them know what COVID-19 is doing for kids that relied on college campuses for them to be able to sleep have housing have food Um, and a lot of them had campus jobs so their only employment or their only source of income was from those campuses that are now shut down as well so again go to togetherwerise.org and see what they are doing to help foster children during COVID-19 and see how you can jump in and help share it They are a very well-known organization that I definitely back up, and they have a lot of supporters like JetBlue, Disney, Bank of America, Forbes, so they're completely legit and sustainable with all of those heavy hitters behind them. All right, I have every intention of going back to our normal programming after this week. I felt like we needed to acknowledge it. We needed to talk about how we take care of ourselves and our families, and then what we can do for the greater foster adoption community and population. But starting next week, we're going to get back to interviews. I know that podcasts are actually, podcast uh, listening is way down, which you know in the podcasting community they thought for sure that people would be home and all they would want to do is listen to podcasts but actually most people listen to podcasts when they are driving to work and now with everybody home numbers are way way down so i know that the last couple episodes have not only been on corona but they have been super short episodes we typically do you know 40 minutes to an hour and these have been shorter but i do want to get back and give some content to people who are still listening and you know a bunch of content for people when we are back and we're traveling to our jobs so that they can binge on the Stable Moments podcast when they get back to listening. Thank you to those who have stayed loyal and I will talk to you guys next week. Hang in there, stay safe, be well.